1: This is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cavins.
0: Okay, Greg, for the past couple of weeks, you've been (laughs) dying to get to the 2022 Patriots. Now I know some people are listening to this and saying, really, we got to focus on 2022 when the draft is now two weeks away. Listen, I I follow along. What Greg says is what we want to do here. And, and we go with what Greg is thinking. So Greg Bedard says, let's just press the pause button on the the draft stuff and all of that, and let's look at 2022. Because, Greg, your argument to those people who say, why are we talking about 2022? I think your argument is, well, we have to talk about 2022 because you think it's going to affect the draft. So, you know, depending on what this roster looks like in 2022 – that should lead you to what they might do two weeks from today to set themselves up to be better off in 2022. So, Greg, tell the people. You say the situation in 22 is a concern to you. Uh, 35 players are already signed for $167 million of the cap. Tell us why the Patriots are looking at 2022 and saying to themselves, oh, man, we got to figure this thing out.
1: Okay so i understand people are probably like you know what 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 are we doing you you have to understand that teams run on different tracks at the same time yes they are looking at this coming year uh with the draft and things like that sometimes you drew draft for need um and we could see that with the patriots with quarterback and and um you know maybe a couple other places uh to give themselves cover like say for Stefan gilmore if they have plans on trading him or, or what have you. Um, but we, you know, and I've been in a bunch of different offices for general managers. And one of the things that you see in every one of their offices is um, a depth chart, basically by year up on the, their board. and And it's either by year or it's one big depth chart color coded by when a player's contract is up. So you need to keep an eye on the future while you also keep an eye on the present. And, and and a couple of things that I have learned covering the Patriots over the years is there's a couple of different things when it comes to Belichick. Number one, if he has the means, he is basically going to fill every need on the roster before he gets to the draft. Now, I don't know what the reason for that is. I don't think he's ever said, but to me, it's, it's twofold. It's number one, it sort of clouds what they're going to do in the draft. It, it, it makes it a mystery to everybody else, what which direction the Patriots are going to go. Um, I think it also uh, benefits the team in that uh, we all know that Bill loves veterans. So it gives them options. It increases the competition on the roster. So that they did what they did this year in terms of the roster – was not a huge surprise because of the cap space that they had. But they basically, we went through it. We went through the needs list before free agency started. We said they were going to be aggressive. And they basically went out and filled all the needs on the roster right now. Right. Um, And so that's by design. The second thing that I have learned covering Belichick over the years with the draft is that, his draft picks almost always center on the future a year out. I mean, and, and we, we've we talked about it before, and and this is not any breaking news, but it, it takes a very special rookie to play a lot, to, especially to start early on in his career with the Patriots. And COVID probably isn't helping any of that. And so if you're looking for the draft, if you're looking for the draft in and being one of these draft nicks that are like, oh, you know, because you'll hear the Mel Kuypers and what have you be like, well, they have a need here. Well, that's great and all. But, you know, Bill Belichick doesn't care about what his needs are right now. What he does most of the time is draft with a heavy eye on the following year, or the following couple of years. And when you look at the roster for next year, it's a concern and co- concern in a couple of different ways. Number one. First of all, all these free agents that they sign have to work out. If they right. don't, then it becomes even more of a problem. Now you're talking more dead money. You have to get you have to go in a different direction. But we're just going with the supposition that all of these free agents work out. They all won't, but we're gonna we're gonna go with that theory because they kind of need it to happen with where they are with their roster. And I don't have. Let me get this. Let me make make this point. I do not have a concern. With the salary cap, even though it's not great, 35 players and you're already at 167 million when the cap is probably going to be around 200 million next year. You know, that, that leaves you just you, you have 15 more, 15, 16 more top 51 slots and you have about uh, about 15 million dollars. Uh, no, excuse me. That's my math was wrong there. About 35 <laughs> million dollars. This is why I married an accountant. There okay? you go. And, and and I didn't take many math classes at Rutgers. Neither did. I. Um. So, so that is sort of the baseline. And what you have to understand is, for, these these are the free agents, major contributors. And I'm not even getting them into, spe, into the special teamers like Matthew Slater, and uh, there's a whole bunch of them uh that are are in that category. Let's see. Matthew Slater, Brandon King, this guy Leroy Reynolds that they just signed, Nick Folk is a free agent. These are the major contributors that we expect for this year that are not that are not under contract for next year. Stefan Gilmore, Devin McCourty, Trent Brown, Dante Hightower, well Julian Edelman, he is now retired. Cam Newton, JC Jackson, Adrian Phillips, Isaiah Win, they have to pick up his fifth-year option or not. If they don't, he's a free agent. Jawan Bentley, Sony Michelle is another fifth-year option decision. If they don't pick it up, he's an unrestricted free agent next year. And James White, like <laughs> that's you know, Nick. I don't know how you feel about it, but that's a that's a pretty sizable core of your team right there that is going to yeah. be in a free agent in 20 and 22, and. I'll I'll pause here. I'll get your thoughts on it. And then we'll come back and we'll talk about wh- who's where right now in 2022 and why it's important to get pieces in place out of this draft that will at least be competitive in the worst case scenario next year.
0: Well, two things jump out at me. First of all, the secondary. What's going to happen with Gilmore? What is going to happen with J.C. Jackson? Those are two huge questions right now. It, you know, we could see Gilmore get traded on draft night or on that Friday night, and then it changes our expectations, right? If you trade Gilmore and you draft a young corner and then you bring back J.C. Jackson at a reasonable reasonable price, then, you know, cornerback isn't in a, in a bad spot. But if you keep Gilmore this year and you gave J.C. Jackson the second-round tender, so J.C. Jackson stays around this season, and then you go into next year with Gilmore walking and J.C. Jackson probably looking for a sizable contract, then you've got to address cornerback in this draft. It, it is a necessity. It's not, oh, we yep. we might have to draft a, quarter, a cornerback. No, you have to draft a cornerback. So the secondary jumps out at me. The linebacker spot was Bentley and Hightower. That could be an issue. I think you've got to draft at least one, if not two, younger linebackers as well. Hope that Jennings and Uche continue to develop, but linebacker could be a weak spot. And, of course, listen, we're not going to spend a ton of time on it today because we've talked about it so much, but quarterback is obviously a problem as well with Cam. The guy like James White, I love James White, but you can find somebody who can replace James Mm -hmm. White. The offensive line, the Patriots have always been able to cobble it together if they draft a young tackle, which they might do in this draft because it's a very, very deep position this year, then if you draft a tackle, you'll be able to figure it out. Whether you pick up wins 50 or option, as you mentioned, that has to be done by May. Or if you keep Trent Brown and and you agree to an extension with him at a number that doesn't kill you. So those are the three spots. The three spots are secondary and Devin McCourty, of course, also was listed. So the secondary is an issue linebacker is an issue. And of course the age old question of the quarterback.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I think that's a good uh, baseline that you pointed out, Nick, you know, the good news on for the roster for next year, the front five, if they're playing a three, four is set. I mean, everybody's under contract. Everybody's here. They're all veterans. You don't have anything really to worry about. I mean, would you like, you know, and this gets into a, a, a separate draft need, but, you know, do you want to maybe upgrade on um, or reset the clock? I will on a, on a young edge guy. Like instead of chase Nino, uh, chase Winovich, try I must call him Chase Nikovich. Um <laughs> <laughs> Instead of trying to make Chase Winovich work year after year when he can't earn the coach's trust, maybe they should just cut bait, try to get something for him. And there are some good young. Edge players in this draft, where you draft them, they sit behind Kyle Van Noy, is only really he's only here for two years. You reset the clock on an edge guy who can learn for a year under Van Noy, and then all of a sudden he's ready. That might be look uh, worth looking at. But the front five is set, Jonathan Jones as slot is set. The interior of the offensive line is set with uh, uh, Awenu, Andrews, Mason. The tight ends we know are set between the guys that they signed, the two rookies that they have, if they hold on to them. And running back, like you said, running back's in a good place. You have Damian Harris. Now, Damian Harris is somebody interesting to bring up because, look, we're just going off what we know about these guys right now. And maybe some of the young guys were a little bit handicapped by covid and and we don't know what they're going to do but damian harris is a perfect example of at this time last year nick none of us knew what damian harris could do we didn't yeah. know whether he was going to be on the roster you know we would have similar the same conversations we were we had about damian harris uh, at this time last year we would be having about josh uche anthony jennings you know guys like that um and so that these guys are not cast and die players are always moving up, down, they are never static. What goes for one year does not necessarily go for the next year when you're talking about young football players, but we're just dealing with where guys are right now. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, right now, the depth chart that I have up at BSJ for 2022, I have Miles Bryant as the starting free safety. You could also put possibly put Jalen Mills there, which would make cornerback even worse. Uh, if you move Jalen Mills to safety and maybe Bryant stayed at corner, I do think he has Bryant has some uh, a lot of upside. I we saw him play a lot of different positions last year. D'Angelo Ross is a young, sort of undrafted guy at cornerback that I that I do think is going to get some run this year. Uh, so he's in the mix, but you know, right now you're looking at like a Jalen Mills, Miles Bryant, and then Kyle Duggar is really the lone strong safety right now on the team. And I I, I think he's going to be a star, but, you know, we don't know. Both free safety spots or both safety spots could use some help. Yeah. And right now at linebacker, you have – at standup linebacker, you have Uche and Jennings. And we don't even know if Uche's a standup linebacker or he's the edge guy behind van noy or what have you and jennings we don't know it didn't look promising as a rookie but we, we don't know and like you said the other big area and look i think we all expect trent brown to work out here and it's a one-year deal and they reach some extension at some point in time i don't from his comments he doesn't want to go anywhere else and and try that anymore unless somebody gives him a humongous bag of money which i'm sure he'd be willing to take again but you know just for you know, discussion sake, let's just say Trent Brown does work out and he's here for a couple more years. That helps you, but still, you know, if you don't, if you don't tag uh, uh, Isaiah Wynn at $10 million for the fifth year, $10.5 million, then right now, the only real tackles that you have on the roster for next year are Justin Heron and Yoni Kajus, who the third round pick who I think I might have seen on the practice field like twice. I was going to say, you so so... can't get
0: on the field. I mean, you <laughs> can't get on the field. You know, when you look at this, I would say overall, big picture. I'm less concerned about the secondary, even though there could be some sizable gaps there next season, uh, at least on the roster on paper. I'm a little less concerned about that, and I'm a little less concerned about offensive line because we've seen the Patriots be able to figure it out, right? Belichick has had – a great track record. He doesn't always hit Duke Dawson, Joan Williams, and, and all those other guys, right? That Raze Dowling back in the day. He doesn't always hit, but he has a pretty good track record of finding good cornerbacks and have cor- good cornerback play, right? Like, you know, he, he brings in guys. He finds Malcolm Butler. He finds J.C. Jackson. Uh, he paid Stephon yeah, other, Gilmore when people uh, were shocked. Wait a minute, you know, why did they pay Gilmore than- as much as they did? And now he's the best corner in the game. He's done I'll just say other job. than
1: other than 2011, but yeah, yeah, we don't want to go through 2011 again. No, no.
0: Again, listen, there are always going to be these you know anomalies and, and these picks that don't work mm-hmm. out, and that's the nature of the game. But overall, he's done a pretty good job of finding guys that can play in the secondary, whether it's in the draft or undrafted free agents. He's gone out and signed guys like Browner. Darrell Revis was an obvious one. Everybody knew he was good as long as he was healthy. And again, offensive line, they've been able to find the pieces. And so I'm a little less concerned about that. I do think linebacker and quarterback, you know, the the history there, of course you had Brady, so you're good. We still don't really know uh, how good of an evaluator at the quarterback position is, you know, Josh McDaniels. And if if he's running the offense, then, you know, he's the guy that drafted Tim Tebow in the first round. So, you know, I, I do think that's a huge question mark. As far as, you know, secondary offensive line, I think they'll be able to figure it out. And as you mentioned, Greg, you've got to hope that Uche and or Jennings pop for you. And I'm more confident in Uche, but man, if they could, if Jennings shows, and, and we talked about this last year, I do think all the second year players, even the tight ends, they deserve the benefit of the doubt early on. I'm not telling you that they get a pass for the entire season, but given the situation last year with COVID, you know, no rookie mini camps, no joint practices, no preseason. Those guys were thrown into the mix. And so I think we'll have a better idea as to who those players are within the first month of this season. And so maybe Jennings pops, because if he does, and then you have Uche and Jennings, and then maybe you can hold on to high tower for another year or two. And then Van Noy hangs around for another year. I mean, there is a way that you can draw it up that they'll be okay there, but they they need Jennings to be good and they need Winovich to to be more consistent. And I still wouldn't mind them drafting a guy early on in this draft at the linebacker position.
1: Nick last thing on this. um, And then we'll move on. But what, what are the position looking at this depth chart for 2022? What are the positions that you think they absolutely need to come out of this draft with to address that? To address those needs
0: i'd feel good about a corner because even if you have the history i'd I'd feel really good about drafting a corner if they can get a guy like caleb farley at 15 or maybe they move back and draft him jc horn somebody that i know you like uh you know i i think a corner makes a lot of sense i think an inside speedy linebacker makes a lot of sense yep i still think greg a number one wide receiver man like i I like nelson Aguilar. Uh, we'll see about Kendrick. Bourne. But
1: yeah, that's because you don't know. You don't know whether those guys are working. Agler right. is probably the poster child for. Is this going to work after his Philly experience? Like, and if he doesn't work and all of a sudden you're a ground zero again, at wide receiver next year, I think you're right. I think they need to come out with a wide receiver, at least somebody that they think that can play in the next couple of years.
0: And it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, I was talking to Mike, the producer before we, we recorded this podcast it doesn't necessarily have to be Waddle at 15. If Waddle fell to 15, I'm drafting him in a heartbeat. Yep. It Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be a Waddle or a Smith at 15 if those guys don't fall to you. I was listening to Mel Kuyper and Field Yates and Todd McShay's podcast yesterday after Kuyper uh, released his mock draft 4.0, and Kuyper said, you know, I've got, I think he said 14 wide receivers going in the first two rounds. I think he has like 17 going in the first three rounds. I mean, wide Mm -hmm. receiver is very, very deep if you need a receiver and you are dedicated and committed to finding a guy, you'll find a guy in this draft. So, you know, overall, I think big picture, Greg, at a cornerback would be good. I think you're okay at safety. I really do. I think you can, you can figure it out.
1: I agree with you. I think you can figure it out.
0: I'd rather have Mills at safety by the way, than cornerback. He was awful cornerback in Philly. Yep. So mm-hmm. I'd go, I'd go with a cornerback. I'd go with a, a, a fast athletic linebacker. I would, also address the offensive line if I could get you know, a tackle involved. I don't think that's a bad idea. And, of course, y- you desperately need a quarterback and a wide receiver. Those are my top five needs. I might change the order. Obviously, quarterback is right. the most crucial position. But those are the yep. five positions I'm looking at because I, I think, again, I-, I think you can – running backs to me, I'm of the philosophy, you can find a running back. I'm yep. not stressed out. You've got Damian Harry I Harris. agree with you. You can find a guy. So those are the five positions I'd be looking at.
1: Okay. So I we're we're pretty much on the same page. I would say if I had to rank them in terms of what they need for 2022 going forward, I mean, look, quarterback is obviously a must. I don't know if I would draft it first, but let's just say they need to find a guy in the first couple of rounds that they yeah. think within a year could be competitive for the starting position. Um, so quarterback is definitely one. I think that, I think that cornerback and linebacker are, you know, two A and B for me. I think they, they need to find, I think they need to draft at both spots and I don't really care. I mean, that's part of the reason why I had Micah Parsons in my mock draft. Um, because he, sh- he, he really, uh, solidifies things for, you know, not only for this year, cause they could use him. He would be a great for one year just blitzing from the second level, and then the next year he's ready to be a three-down starter. That would be the plan for him. I would be fine with a cornerback in the at 15 um, because they could use that there. You don't know what's going to happen with Gilmore. Um, I agree with you on safety. I think they can figure that out, and I do think, you know, now thinking about it more, probably Mills is more of a safety for 2022 than anything. Um, and hopefully they can get, you know, Phillips Phillips is not as long as the wear and tear doesn't get too much on, uh, on him. I mean, I, I, don't think he's, he's that old, so he might really like it here. Hopefully he might be looking at his last big payday. So maybe he wants to try to cash in, but I would love to have Phillips back, um, to sort of pair with Duggar and whoever they have at free safety. And it could be McCordy because, you know, let's bring this up in, in terms of 2022, if the Patriots need to open up cap space, say for a Garoppolo or somebody like that, the easiest way for them to do it is to extend Devin McCourty and Dante Hightower for another year or two with dummy years tacked on. Right. So that's, that's always an option. And I, and I agree with you. I think, I think wide receiver, I think they got to come out to, it would have been nice if they had one last year when that was also a very deep wide receiver draft, but they had to take a kicker in the fifth round. Um, <laughs> I think they have to come out with an offensive tackle. Somebody that has the potential to yeah. play left tackle. I think yep. they have to get one of those guys just to and I think I think uh Justin uh Heron is going to be is it Heron? I think it's Heron. is going to be a good player for them. I don't know if he can play left tackle. Um so, you know, that's a concern. I would well, like I'm to come this. out I'm of the draft this quickly. Yep.
0: Owenu oh, any idea about maybe sliding him to tackle eventually? So he. I mean, he, he can play right now. tackle.
1: I I don't think he can play left tackle. I don't think he has. I don't think he has the athletic ability to play left. I do think he could be. He could be a dynamite right tackle. And then if you bring Trent Brown back, Trent Brown could play left tackle. So, but and so that's a possibility. Make it maybe that. It, but the whole thing is you're 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 hoping for Trent Brown after he got paid to be a professional and show up and not get hurt again yeah. like he did in Vegas. And I'm not ready to go there. Maybe he does it here. I don't know, but I'm not Same. ready to – I, I, I want to have a backup for Trent Brown. Let's just yeah. say that. And then I think they do need – I think they need to look at, you know, taking some sort of running back in this draft, um, you know, poss- possibly like a – it would be nice to find a like a young Rex Burkhead type of guy, like a two-way – sort of running back, just to give you a little bit of cover for James White and Sony Michelle. Does J.J. Um,
0: Taylor play a role in all of this, Greg? What, like when you talk to the guys at the facility, the, the people that you talk to, yeah. do, do you get any feeling that Taylor could be a part of the equation in, in the future there at running back?
1: I, um, I, I'll just say this. I don't hear his name very much, but I will say, you know, I think they view him – Sort of like, uh, sort of like a Stidham, like Stidham after his rookie year and things like that. Like everybody on the outside's talking about him, but on the inside, they're just they're like, well, I mean, you know, the kid's young. You know, he's he's you know he's making progress. It's tough to tell. Now, do I could he be a guy who pops this year in year two? Yeah, I I think that's I think there's an opening there. I just don't think. JJ Taylor isn't on the forefront of people's lists, but I do think he has a chance to be a factor. Um, and, you know, who knows what happens at running back. I either, unless they feel really good about an undrafted running back, which you can get decent running backs undrafted. Um, you know, I might go for one later in the draft, just to, just to be sure, just to keep yourself cover and give yourself cover. And um, I look. People some people aren't gonna like this, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they they give how about this? How about this when if this happens, they give Sonny Michelle, they pick up his fifth year option because it's only it's four and a half million, and they let Isaiah win walk at <laughs> ten and a half. You See, know, I, I, I would hear Felder yeah. and Maz right now.
0: I mean Sonny Michelle <laughs> is so damn interesting though, you know, because we've seen him. You kind saw of- it. Yeah, he's he's dragged along at times, right? He hasn't looked great at times. He's not getting extra yards. But I thought last year when he was out and Damian Harris kind of took the reins, I thought when Sony came back, we saw a more competitive Sony. I thought we saw a more physical Sony. And we saw the best in in my eyes, since maybe the late, you know, 2018 run in the playoffs and all that. I, I thought we saw the best Sony Michelle as a Patriot last season when he came back so you know if, if you get that sony michelle for a reasonable price and then you say all right we've got sony and damian harris as the two-headed monster and you have jj taylor as a third down back or the pass receiving back or like you said maybe you draft somebody in this year's draft in the fifth sixth round whatever it is uh then that would make some sense uh, it's just which sony are we getting are we getting the healthy sony who's motivated who plays with an edge or are we going to get that sony michelle where you watch him play and you say well anybody could do that what he just did that the offensive line you know opened up a hole and he ran through the hole congratulations like for me when they drafted sony and I, i'm not big on drafting running backs in the first round i just again i think you can get them much later and they could be as good as they are in the first mm mm-hmm. mhm but I liked Sony Michelle at Georgia. I liked him a lot. I thought he had big play capability. So it all depends on which you know which Sony that you get, and that yep. that's maybe that's the answer. Maybe you don't give him the option here because you don't know which Sony you're going to get. I, I do want to bring up something before we get to the member question of the day, though, because it happened yesterday. We talked about this earlier in the week. Justin Fields had his second pro day yesterday. Uh, the Patriots outside of Belichick. They sent the cavalry yesterday, Greg, to watch Fields. Um, yep. McDaniels was there. Ziggler was there. Of course, the first pro day for Fields, uh, Elliot Wolf was in attendance. Uh, Mike Groh was also there, who was their national scout yesterday. They sent the house to watch Fields. Have you heard anything about the pro day? And do you take anything out of who they have sent to watch him? partake in these pro days uh
1: so i have not um i have not circled back on the pro day i figured i would do that um this weekend um you know so they sent yeah they sent mcdaniel ziegler and grow yep there now uh, i think we talked about it this on the last podcast um you know bill and josh were both at alabama while ohio state was going on the first time so they couldn't they couldn't be in two places at once, right? Um, you know, and I know, I know, local radio is making a big deal out of Belichick not being there, and <laughs> and look, I don't, I, I don't disagree with them, uh, you know, because Bill's ultimately going to make the decision, and it's great, whatever you know, McDaniel's sees and and files his report and tells Belichick and things like that, um, but at the end of the day you know, Bill needs to see the kid and he won't see the kid. Yeah. And, you know, we're we're going to have to see what the significance of that is. I can't tell you right now, you know, could it be Bill's letting Josh drive the bus offensively with the draft? It's possible. I haven't heard anything about that, but um, it's possible. And, um, but, you know, I think it's, bless you. I think it's it's nice. significant that, that, you know, Bill wasn't there, but those three guys are pretty powerful. And and Ziegler, we've talked about it before. He has a lot of sway. He's not afraid to speak his mind with Bill. Um, you know, we'll see if that really – the rubber meets the road. It's a little bit different when you're doing it in his former positions, but now he's in the Casario position, and now you got to speak up on, on draft day and all that. We'll see how that goes. But um, I think it's a little bit too early to tell you know, on fields as far as the Patriots, but it certainly doesn't hurt that they had McDaniels and company there. I don't know whether the same group is going to be at Trey Lance's pro day, which I think is some, at some point next week, I don't think it's determined yet who, if any, the Patriots are sending to his second pro day.
0: You know, when when I look at McDaniels, the question is, like you said, We've read things and you've told us about how Belichick has changed his approach this year, at least early on. We don't know what's going to happen draft weekend. It might go back to what it's been and Belichick just calling all the shots. But from what we read and and from what you have said, it sounds like Belichick has made this a more collaborative effort. So you wonder if this is truly Belichick saying, I'm going to go off of what you guys say and, and what you see and maybe he's giving McDaniels the shot to go look at fields and come back with a report and say, Bill, I think we can make this guy work. I think, I think he's got the goods. The one question I do have left uh, for you about fields, and it's off of Mel Kuyper's mock draft, which I just brought up a few moments ago. In Kuyper's most recent mock draft, he has the Patriots moving up to 10, trading with Dallas, trading from 15 to 10 to draft fields, do you think that's possible? Like, do you, I know we've talked about the Patriots not being uber aggressive and moving up in the top five or six to land a guy. Yep. But if if they like Fields and he starts to fall, and, and the key team to me is Denver. We don't know what Denver wants to do. You and I have talked about George Payton, his history. You can listen to that in prior podcasts. You know, Denver's interesting. But if Denver passes up the quarterback at nine, do you think the Patriots could make what, what I would call a mini move up the board? Not a huge move, not an aggressive move, but a mini move if they like fields and say, all right, let's move up to 10 with Dallas. Dallas drops down to 15. They get an extra pick Dallas drafts, the cornerback or defensive player that they want to bring in. And now we get our quarterback. How, how possible is that to you?
1: Okay. A couple different things on that. Uh, cause this is a good question. Um, number one, I don't think it's 100% that the Niners have taken Mac Jones at, I agree. Or at least I agree. at least that's what I'm hearing from NFL people are confused about what the 49ers are doing and there is the, there's this the 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 train of thought in the NFL that you know the everyone's trying to figure out why the Niners made the move so early why they traded so early and there there could be a bunch of different reasons and that, it's not that's not really all that important what's important is there's a train of thought in the NFL that if the draft was the day after the trade, they would have taken Mac Jones. But now with a lot more time and, you know, look, the reaction in San Francisco has not been good to uh, the belief that they are going to take Mac Jones. Um, Some of the, some of the people in that organization listen to a lot of noise. So that's interesting. There's been the report about the, the differences between the personnel department and Shanahan, as far as the Shanahan wants Jones, but the scouts want Justin Fields. So I don't think that is set in stone yet. And I, I do think that, I do think that it, 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 germane to this conversation, I think that the Patriots would make more of a mini leap for Mac Jones than they would Justin Fields for a lot of the reasons that we went over in the podcast on Tuesday and also um, the column that I wrote at, at, at Boston'sportional.com, um, As far as fields, if, if he slides a little bit, look, yeah, the Broncos are interesting. If they pass on the Broncos, if the Broncos pass on him or whoever the quarterback is, um, which I don't know if they're going to do, but we don't know. But remember, you still have to look out for Chicago, and you still have to look out for Washington. Um, apparently I think it's, if I, if I understand it correctly, I think it's Washington loves Trey Lance. This, this is just the, the, the reporting that's out there. Washington loves Trey Lance and the bears love Justin Fields that, I mean, who knows? Um, but so those teams are out there and they might, they're probably a lot more thirsty than the Patriots. Um, do do I think the Patriots would make let's put all that aside. Do I think the Patriots would make a mini move somewhere 10, 11, 12, what have you for, for Justin Fields? My answer to that would be no. I, that's my feeling. I could be completely wrong. It's for a lot of the reasons that, you know, I, I just don't think he fits their parameters for a top 10 pick, which is, you know, basically that guy needs to be top 10 in his position like right now in the NFL and that he's basically plug-and-play ready to go. I just don't think they see him or many quarterback prospects like that. And so for that reason, I'm saying no, but I could be wrong.
0: All right, let's get to the bostonsportsjournal.com member question of the day. For $39.99, 11 cents a day on the annual plan, not only do you get top-notch analysis of all the Boston pro sports, but if you're a patch junkie, which of course you are, a membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis Bedard does on the coaches' film – and direct access to him in weekly chats. Uh, this is from M. Gilmetti. Uh, this is off of – is this off of a column that you wrote, uh, Greg, recently? Yeah, this is Something off that
1: of – yeah, that, that's the Justin Fields, how the Patriots view uh, the athletic mobile quarterback compared to the rest of the league. What okay, here's what uh,
0: M. Gilmetti that? writes. Uh, we've heard Bill, uh, past several years, mentioned in his press conferences talk about how much an advantage in mobile quarterback – puts on the defense, we've had a huge difficulty defending quarterbacks who are mobile. Do you think he takes this into account?
1: Not really. I mean, look, are are mobile quarterbacks a pain in the ass to the Patriots? Yes. Um do they present issues at times? Yes, but but the first of all, the Patriots win a lot of games against those guys. And at the end of the day, like it doesn't matter what the guy. Let's just use Mitch Trubisky for example. You remember that game against the Patriots a couple of years ago, up in Chicago? How could I win? Oh my God, Mitch Trubisky was running all over the place on the Patriots. Like they couldn't stop him. He was, he was. I I remember that one run where he like <laughs> zigzagged the whole field like fifty times, and nobody on the Patriots could tackle him. Oh. It was the most pathetic defense I've ever seen in my life.
0: That was a good time,
1: <laughs> but. You think Bill wants Mitch Trubisky? Do you think Bill wanted him that day? No. Why? Because he can't make plays from the pocket when the game's on the line. Like, it doesn't matter what you do in the first quarter and the second quarter. And I remember Tim Tebow, speaking of halves, ran roughshod through the Patriots for a first half, and they shut his ass down in the second, and the Patriots won the game. Like, that's all nice, the bells and whistles and all that. You can do that. The Lamar Jacksons. But And maybe this is why Bill said, you know what? I don't like Lamar Jackson. Yeah, everybody wants me to draft him. Josh wants me to draft him. But you know what? I don't think that kid can make a throw, you know, a you throw the stick route on third and 10 from the pocket. So I'm not drafting him. And I think that's what it comes down to. It, it doesn't matter what you do in the first or second quarter. It doesn't matter what stats you put. Can you make enough winning plays from the pocket? Because you can have the most well-designed running you know, mobile quarterback offense in the world. But if you can't make the plays in the fourth quarter down two minutes where you don't have the running game, where they're not worried about you running other than spying you and you got to make throws down the field. If you can't do that, you are not a quarterback for the new England Patriots. So that to me is the final measure of any quarterback with them. And I just don't think they're there on Justin Fields. But like I said, I could be wrong, and they just had his pro day, so I'll know more probably next week. But as of right now, guys like him, Lance, I just don't think they're they're, they're polished enough as passers right now or that they could see uh, them making short improvement to get where they need him to be.
0: Subscribe, rate, and review. He's Greg Bedard. I'm Nick Cattles. Maybe we'll have some more tidbits next week on Justin Fields once Greg goes digging I'm sure something will happen over the weekend we'll have reaction to. Until then, everybody be safe, be good, be healthy, enjoy the weekend. It's the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattle.